along with everyone else, let me say Happy New Year. It's the, it's the season of New Year's resolutions. Has anybody made them? I quit making them things a long time ago. I just don't ever seem to go <laughs> be able to complete them. So, uh, but you know, I always, when I wake up on New Year's Day, I always contemplate, what does the year hold for me? God, what's, what's going to happen this year to our nation, to our, maybe our state, even in my own individual home? And the answer is, I don't know. But you know what? I know who's going to walk through it with me. I know where my trust is. It's not in my health. You know, I wonder, am I going to face a health issue this year? It's not in my money. Will we have a, will we have a financial crisis this year? My trust isn't in any of that stuff. My trust is in something that never changes. I'm anchored to something that will never change. So whether 2023 is a wonderful year and things go great, and I rejoice, I'll rejoice in the Lord. If 2023 is a challenging year for me, then I will weep before the Lord. But he has been my God through all of it, and he'll be my God through all of it, and he'll be yours through all of it, and he's faithful. He said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. So I don't know what 2023 holds for us or for you, but we can trust our God. A couple announcements, actually a lot of announcements this morning, so get your iPhones out or your droids if you have those things, or whatever you use to keep up with your life. I know I use an iPhone to keep up with my life. If I lose my iPhone, my life is gone. I won't know where to be or what to do. First, don't forget to pick up your Christmas cards in the foyer. We've got the box out there. There's still a lot of Christmas cards in it. So if you hadn't checked, go out there, look for the first letter of your last name, and get your Christmas cards. So we can, we'll be getting the box out uh, this week. Also, we want to ensure that we have everyone's email address for important notices. The easiest way for us to push out information is through email. So if you're here, if you're, particularly if you've been new coming to the church, if you're not sure, if you will take that uh, Connect card uh, and, and write your email address on it or whatever, um, so we will have your email address. And if you're not sure, see Sister Teresa. Raise your hand, Sister Teresa. You can give it to her. But particularly with the winter months coming, if we have snow or we have ice and we need to push some information out, the easiest way to do that is by email. So please make sure we have a correct email for yourself. We know that 2023 is certainly going to be a year of transition for Bethel. Uh, Pastor Don has announced his retirement. Uh, he's doing well, by the way. I spoke with him last night, and his surgery went well. And so, but next Sunday is going to be the actual transition Sunday. Um, but Steve Holder, the president of the fellowship, is going to be here. He's going to oversee the service. And there will be a transition service from Pastor Don to me as the interim pastor of Bethel. And so we know that things are going to change for our church over this year. And, but we're trusting God in all of it. And you're going to be a big part of that. And so, but that's next Sunday, January the 8th. And then January the 11th, which is Wednesday night. Not this coming Wednesday night, but next Wednesday night. We're going to, start, we're going to show the first season of The Chosen here. We're going to start at 6.30. And the first night, we're going to have food. Because I know for some of you that are still working, it's hard to get in. Uh, but for the first night, for sure, we're going to have food. We're going to set the tables up. We'll have some discussions or questions around it after it's over. So we hope that you'll plan on being to, at that. Invite someone to be with you. But it will start at Wednesday night at 6.30 because of the length of some of the uh, episodes. And also, January 15th is going to be Sanctity of Life Sunday. January is Sanctity of Life Month. We are an unapologetically pro-life church. We support a lot of ministries that support life, and we will have a representative here from PSS that day, 
and we will center our service around sanctity of life and we'll take up a special offering for PSS that day. And then lastly, the Supper Club. Now you may not know what that is. I want to go ahead and introduce that to you. Brother um, Michael and Sister Christy first did that. Tammy and I had a chance to do that. There was a man that was a part of DMIP years ago, and I can't remember his name, but he had a heart for the international students. The whole world comes to Durham, North Carolina, through Duke University, the whole world. And, and I, I thank God for international missions, but we can do mission work right here because they're coming to us. <clears throat> and so there's, an, there's, a, there's a program that has been instituted, and the way it works is this. Most international students will come to Durham, they'll come to the United States, and they would love to come into an American home. They never come into an American home. And so what it requires is that there's some training. The first one is at the end of this month, and it's at First Baptist downtown. And you go to that two-hour training, and I went through it, Michael and Christy went through it, and then they will assign you two students, international students, and you have to agree to certain dates to have them come into your home and simply have supper with them and talk to them. It was, it was, we still stay connected to ours. I had Yang from China, and I had DeBraj from India. DeBraj is back in Boston, but Yang is still here. COVID messed everything up, because even after our three times, we still had them over, and we would talk with them. And, and yes, the ultimate goal, folks, is to share the gospel. And we did. Tammy and I were able to build a relationship with them. We talked about a lot of things, their culture, what was it like in China, what's it like in India, and you build a relationship with them, and then we lead in to sharing the gospel. And both of those young men were not saved men. Uh, Yang come out of mainland China. DeBraj was a very intelligent guy, and we had some really good conversations. And quite frankly, as I had more conversations with DeBraj, because he spoke better English, I believe that Yang was the one listening, so I wondered... Did God use my conversations with DeBraj? And I would look over at Yang, and maybe he was the one that Yang was going to deal with. I don't know, but it's just a great way to share the gospel. If you're interested in that, it's a two-hour training. If you cannot do it this time, there will be another season of it. They do them periodically. But I encourage every person in this church to do that. They will come into your home. You will establish a relationship with international students and get to know them and get ultimately to share your faith with them. Lastly, first of all, I want to say, Brother Dan's going to be coming up in a minute to, uh, to minister to us. And I, I want to say how much I appreciate Pastor Dan. He has come in. He's had a heart for this church. He's had a heart for prayer for this church from the day he walked in. And so when he came in, not long after he established himself, he established Friday night prayer. And so on Friday nights, every Friday night from 7 to 8, many of us gather into the sanctuary and we pray. And so we're going to go into now a season of prayer and fasting, and Dan's going to be ministering on that here momentarily. But I want to challenge each of you as you think about New Year's resolutions, as you think about how you want to grow in the Lord. And, and I hope part of those resolutions is to grow in the Lord, to grow a deeper relationship with Him that you would consider during this 21 period. And then this year to set aside some time on Friday nights to come and pray with us. I think what happens is, and I understand this, people like, an hour? Y'all gonna, we're going to stand around and hold hands for an hour and pray? I can't do that. Well, that's not what we do. I think it's better d- described as abiding time. We come in, we open with a prayer point, a prayer focus, and then at that time what we do is there's worship music, and some walk and pray, some stay in their pew and pray, some come to the altar and pray. We just pray, and we spend time before the Lord. We spend time before the Lord. 
But here's what we want to do this year. If you'll look at the pew in front of you, there should be some connect cards there. You will see some connect cards. If you have a specific need that you would like for us to be praying over on Friday night, and I hope you'll come and join with us, but if you need God to move in a situation in your life, if you'll take that card, and on the back of that card, if you'll write what your prayer need is, write what your prayer need is, and we'll have someone standing at the back with a plate, with an offering plate at the end of service, drop that into that offering plate. And on Friday night, during these 21 days, we're going to divide those up amongst the people who are praying here. And I hope there's 35 or 40 people here. I hope we only have to give one card per person. And we're going to pray and we're going to seek God for your individual need. Dan, you can come on up, brother. That's such a good word. I feel like now we're ready for altar call and let's go home. But anyway, prayer is so, so important to all of us. And if you, if, if you don't have a need to put down on a card, I think there's something wrong. I think everybody should have something to write down. Because in this world, the Lord said, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But be of good cheer, he said, for I have conquered. I have overcome. So won't you please pray, put your prayer needs, and we'll present it to the ultimate overcomer, Jesus Christ. Well, I want to join with everybody else and say, Happy New Year, and welcome to 2023. As I look up, it is so good to see Anna Varnell there. I mean, you scared us, girl. She was in the hospital, and, you know, she's pregnant, and, and so we offered prayer, and prayer works, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, as we look back on 2022, we may be tempted to say that a lot of bad things happened last year. We lost some of the pillars of our church, and I, we lost uh, Brother Morris, Johnny Blake, and... We didn't lose him, but our pastor of 54 years is stepping down, entering a new season, and I'm looking forward to seeing him here in this new season on, in another role. But still, this, uh, Brother Larry, Pastor Larry said, is a time of transition. And all of us have had to deal with challenges, familial challenges in the family, physical as well as financial. But at the risk of sounding cliche, I was always thought, taught that in every trial there is a blessing. And that in every setback there is an opportunity. But we need to be alert. We need to stay watchful and spiritually alert. Do we have any rangers here today? I don't see any. But one of the ranger points is to be Alert, mentally, spiritually, and physically alert. 1 Corinthians 16 and 13 tells us, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, and be strong. I believe this concept to watch not only means to be alert for the danger of this world, but also to be alert for what God is doing and how he is directing us. 
And to that end, as Pastor Larry mentioned, we are calling all our members and all our attenders of here at Bethel to 21 days of prayer and fasting. You know, as I spoke to several people to encourage them and to, to ask them to join us, many of them did not have a clear understanding of prayer and fasting. Yes, most understood praying, but prayer and fasting was foreign to them because it's not a common practice. So this morning, I'm going to spend a few minutes speaking on it. My hope is that after this morning, you will be encouraged to join us from January 1 today to January 21 in a season of prayer and fasting. Is this for me, Brother Larry, or is it yours? Okay, thank you. As I spoke to, oh, uh, let me first clarify what I mean by fasting. Fasting is a common practice, while prayer and fasting is not. Fasting is commonly understood as not eating. But for most, fasting has nothing to do with spirituality nor prayer. For example, when I go for my annual physical, my doctor requests that I fast, which means nothing by mouth or from midnight until my appointment. The same is asked when I am going to take some blood tests. And for most surgical procedures, they always says nothing to eat, fasting. And some people fast as part of a detox and cleansing procedure. And still others use hunger strikes in a way of protesting some injustice or unfairness in the world. Whatever the reason, fasting is not a pleasurable activity. It is difficult. And for some, it is very difficult. Along with breathing and drinking water, eating is a basic necessity. Without any of these for a prolonged time, you die. I'll take a moment to tell you that you should have gotten an outline. The most important thing about the outline you got is the back. It is a, it is a, a, a paper that Pastor Dom put together several years ago, and it it's wonderfully explains fasting. So I'm going to cover some of that, but my points are on the front of that, and so you can follow along as I go. In Genesis 9 and 3, we read, Everything moving that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. God has provided this smorgasbord of things for us to eat and to enjoy. And God has given us that wonder, that miracle of taste so that we can, uh, so life would be richer and more blessed just by eating and tasting. And he gave us some great cooks and chefs. I have to brag on my wife. When she gets in the kitchen, I'm just there waiting for my first plate. And I'm sure some of you can attest to some good cooks in your family. So it is a good gift from God. And not just for nourishment, 
but for also for enjoyment. It is the source of fellowship. The mealtime is when we pause and we come together around the table and we enjoy each other. It's always been that way. We find in Scripture at the earliest uh, parts in Scripture of God visiting Abraham with two angels. And they dined together. And all through the Old Testament, the people of God came together and dined. Today, we still gather with our loved ones and, and find love and fellowship and discussion and understanding. And maybe we might even argue a little bit when we come together to eat. And on the day of Pentecost, the Church of Christ was born. And since then, the people have gathered, breaking bread, that's eating, together from house to house. And to this day, we continue that practice, to enjoy that fellowship. Think about the potlucks that we've had here at church. I have enjoyed the conversation as we shared with one another. And I can tell you, I don't remember what I ate. I just remember it was good. But I do remember the conversations that we had when we were fellowshipping. Now, for this very reason, beginning January, on the last Friday of every month, as you know, we have pr uh, prayer every Friday. But on the last Friday of every month, we will start again with our practice of having a potluck meal after prayer. We'll have prayer, we'll enjoy communion together, and then we'll go and have a, a meal together, sharing our lives, our cares, our funny stories. And I wish you could be part of that. It is great. Through the years, it has melded that group so closely together. Won't you consider joining us? You see, food is a good thing. It is a good gift from God, but like so many other good gifts that God gives man, man perverts it. Who can deny that we live in a gluttonous a society? American society by world standards consumes an incredible amount of food. While some, are the, of some around the world are starving, we continue to gorge ourselves. We have become an overindulgent society and, and food for us has almost become almost like a god. Think of how many commercials we see on TV that are related to food and to eating. And we're beginning to pay the price. Our society leads the world in obesity and all the diseases that come with it, heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, cancers, all these diseases can be traced back to overindulgence. We are being constantly bombarded with food and our appetites are constantly assaulted to give in. To demonstrate, and I think this side of the room will help me out better, but who knows. I'm going to give you a little quiz to see how much you've been indoctrinated to food. Tell me if you recognize these slogans. It's finger licking good. Who says that? KFC. KFC, okay, I know where you're spending your money. 
How about, I'm loving it. Who said that? McDonald's. Good. It's a sub above. What's that? Thank you. Thank you, my little eater. Better ingredients, better pizza. Papa John's. And last one. We got the meats. I know where you guys are going. Well, we, you get the idea. We're bombarded so that it's in your brain. Let's eat. So when people try to fast, it becomes very difficult. It goes against every inclination of this natural body. So you may ask, if God has provided all this good food for us, why then should we fast and not eat? Well, if, you're, if you were to stop eating for no other reason than to just stop eating, that would be a fair question. But when you enter into a time of prayer and fasting, you are entering into a whole other realm. To gain a better understanding of fasting, let us first examine the purpose behind fasting. Then we'll look at the ways to fast and finally how long to fast. First of all, all we know and, and all we know is that prayer is a necessity. We all know that. We need to pray as children of God. We need to pray. It is a necessity for every Christian. Prayer is our connection to God. But prayer and fasting is also a necessity. As one writer puts it, that you cannot disconnect fasting and omit fasting because we feel no special prompting, then we have any right to omit prayer, Bible reading, or assembling with God's children for a lack of some special prompting. And fasting is just as biblical and normal part of our spiritual walk of obedience with God as are these others. That is to say, you don't need a special call to fast. You can't say, oh, the Spirit is not leading me to fast, so I won't. You can't wait for an invitation from God to fast. Just like you can't wait for an invitation from God to pray, Fasting should be part of your Christian walk. Having said that, I can tell you there is no place in the Bible that commands us to fast. But there are many references that imply that we are expected to fast. Let's look at an example. Matthew 6 and 17. Let me read that to you. But you, when you fast... Anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to be men of fasting but to your father who is in a secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. This is Jesus speaking. He says when you fast. He does not say if you fast. So there is an expectation that we will fast. Again, when Jesus was asked why his disciples did not fast like the rest of the people, he replied this in Luke 5 and 34. 
And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and they will fast in those days. Jesus, as we know, is the bridegroom. He is no longer here on earth with us. So as we wait for his return, he and we are expected to fast. When we fast, we are denying our body of food. We are exercising dominance over our flesh. We are putting the desires of the flesh under our, desi uh, under our desire to serve God. We are saying, we will not be ruled by the flesh. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. When we fast, it is a spiritual exercise to deny the demands of the flesh, which then makes us stronger when the flesh demands other things. This is an important concept to understand on how to conquer temptation. In the early parts of your fast, if you do a longer fast, um, you will experience headaches. But these usually are because we're so addicted to caffeine and to sugar that when we cut them out, we will get withdrawals. But let me assure you, they pass quickly. I fast often as, as in my walk with, with the Lord. However, I have only done one 40-day fast in, in my lifetime. And as I recall, the first few days were rough. But it got better as the day, days went by. It was a liquid-only fast. It wasn't an absolute fast. All I had was water and clear liquids. I could not do that again now because diabetes. What I regret now is not keeping a journal of that time so I could really uh, look back and see exactly what was going on. But I can tell you this, that it, that, uh, it was a time when I felt such a nearness, such an intimacy with God that has been rare in my life. Don't get me wrong, I still feel near to God, but nothing like it was when I was in the midst of a 40-day fast. So what directed me to fast for 40 days? First of all, my pastor at the time, Reverend, uh, Reverend Ron Wood, had called the church to fast and pray for 40 days at the beginning of the year. My family at the time was experiencing some severe trial. For Josie and I, it felt like we were grieving, although nobody had died. So I entered into a fast with a sense of mourning, a sense of grieving in my spirit. And almost immediately, I felt an indescribable peace. But it wasn't about until about the 10th day that, that I felt this deep connection and God's assurance. Yes, I get that assurance from my prayer time and from skip and scripture. But this, what I'm describing, is at a whole another level. So we fast 
with grieving and mourning which draws God to us and grant us peace and assurance. There's also another reason and, or purpose that brings us to prayer and fasting, and that reason is for repentance. How does this need for repentance manifest in our spirits? Let's, let's think of when disasters strike, either to our family, to our city, nation, or world. What then, what then is a biblical view of disasters, and how do we respond to them? Are disasters only natural events? Should we only consider the secondary causes of these events, like atmospheric conditions, the warm air rises and mixes with the cold air and causes hurricanes and, and tornadoes, global warming, or demon-influenced terrorists that fly planes into our towers? I believe our beloved nation has become so secular that we no longer consider that God has input on how we live as a people. We have largely ignored the moral law as, and as of God as people and have pretty much set up our own morality of what we think is right or wrong. We think that we can, by a majority vote, declare something moral and, and, and right just by voting it in, not stopping to consider what we have approved through our voting might be wrong in God's eyes. Consider the latest legislation passed in Congress called the Respect for Marriage Act. This act makes it legal for same-sex marriage. And on another front, the, the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade, but North Carolina remains a safe haven state for abortions. When we as a nation concede that we are no longer bound by the Judeo-Christian morals and ethics and proceed to ban prayer and public declaration of his name and think that God will not bring judgment, then when disaster strikes, are they things that just happen with no spiritual cause behind them? With those questions in mind, let's look at what 2 Corinthians 7, verse 13 through 14 says. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. These verses teach us that the repentance of people is the biblical response to disasters. This is not a popular teaching today and certainly not the way our nation responds to them. When a disaster happens, we don't generally see the people run into church, 
to mourn over their sins and ask God's forgiveness for how we have sinned against him? Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that every natural disaster uh, is a punishment for some sin that individuals have committed. Yet, on the other hand, we cannot completely rule out the possibility that repeated disasters to a, to a people and, and a nation might be God's judgment on that people. However, it would not be wise to ignore that. God, uh, um, God, we should enter God into a time of prayer and fasting when that happens, like Daniel did in, on, in chapter 9 and verse 3. Let me read that to you. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting sackcloth and ashes and I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession he then proceeds to confess the sins of the nation and express repentance so in in uh, 14 verse 14 of second chronicles uh, verse 7 God God calls out his people who are called by his name now this is the current age of the church and we are his people called Christians we are in a covenant relationship with Christ. In a covenant, there's two sides. One part consists of, of four things in this verse. We are to humble ourselves. So we have to come off our high horse and bow before our creator. Second, we are to pray to him. Then we must seek his face. In other words, we cannot come, say a few words, and then think we're done. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. In the NIV says, must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. When we seek his face, we put aside our agenda, our desires, and we seek his. No matter, uh, no matter the way we do this, then no better way to do this than in time of prayer and fasting when we are denying the flesh of his desires and focusing solely on him. And the fourth is the biggie, the R word, repentance. We turn from our wicked ways. And once we do that, we are assured of his three-point promise. He will hear our prayers. He will forgive us all our iniquities. And he will heal our land. Such a deal. Who can deny that the United States needs healing? And all this happens when we fast and pray. We develop a longing for God. Matthew 6 tells us, but 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Here's the promise. The same thing he promises in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. 
Seek his face. Seek his righteousness. Then he will provide us with everything we need. He will heal our land. But first things first. Humble yourself before him in prayer. Seek him diligently. And he will take care of you. Now we can fast and pray for many reasons. But the main goal of fasting is to draw, to draw near to God. We get to know him better. To seek his face. To seek his will for our lives. In Mark chapter 9, we, found, we find an account of a man in great anguish bringing his son that is possessed with a demon. He brings him to Jesus and he pleads with Jesus. In verse 17, Then one in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever, when, wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. Read the account for yourselves in verses 17 to 25. But afterwards, we see in, in verse 28 of Mark 9, he says, And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast this out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Is there any doubt that the disciples took this young boy and prayed for him? But for as much as they prayed, the demon would not come out. There are some issues in life that will only respond to with a prayer that is intimately connected through fasting with the living God. It does not necessarily have to do with matters of demon possession. When faced with an issue that is resistant to prayer, try fasting with your prayers. But just remember that fasting is not your tool to demand or coerce anything from God. That is not possible. Nor is fasting a way to obtain an end by punishing your body. I grew up in a devout Catholic home and it was very common to pray for us to a patron saint for something and if you, granted, uh, if you were granted their prayer request uh, you would have to repay whatever you promised. Sometimes it was a sizable offering but I have seen some that do not have money promise to punish their bodies by walking on their knees a certain distance to, the, to that changed chapel and offer prayers at the statue. You should have seen how bloody those knees got. Why? Jesus already paid the price for our salvation. He was scourged for our iniquities. He was a scourge for our infirmities. We don't have to do that. Hallelujah. I have given you three reasons to fast, and there are many others. I'll just give you a couple more. There's fasting for direction. Are you at a crossroads in your life and need guidance from the Lord? Any major decision of life should always, always begin with seeking God's will for your life. A new job, relocating, going into ministry, 
whether to marry or stay single, school. Proverbs 3 and 5 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. There's a fast to seek deliverance or protection. Ezra declared a corporate fast and prayed for a safe journey as the Israelites were moving back to Jerusalem from Babylon. And it was a 900-mile trek, and they didn't have a military escort. So in Ezra 8, to 21 to 23, and you can read it later, he called for a fast that the Lord protect them on their way. I have fasted successfully for, for God's healing for Josie's when the doctors had told me that she had nine months to live and that there was no surgical option. Well, drawing on James 5, that the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, I fasted to get closer to God and that my prayers for her availeth much. Shortly thereafter, a surgeon called me and informed me that there was a surgical option and that with a high probability of success. There she sits, 13 years later. Praise the Lord. To God be the glory. These are only a few suggestions for fasting. Remember, the ultimate goal is to seek God's face in humility, not to bargain with him or demand from him. Pastor Don put this paper together, as I mentioned, that you were handed as you came in. If you don't have it, get a copy before you leave. So how should you fast? In Scripture, fast is almost always connected with food, always refraining from food. However, there are other ways to fast. Anything given up temporarily in order to focus all your attention on God can be considered a fast. Now, I've heard of people giving up candy, chocolate, sodas, and so forth. Remember, Fasting is not to punish your body by depriving it. It is, it is to turn your eyes from the things of this world so we can turn our attention to Christ. I repeat, fasting is not a way to get God to do what you want. Fasting changes us, not God. Here, another thing that Jesus cautioned us about. Fasting is not a way to appear spiritual to others. Fasting is done in a spirit of humility and with a joyful attitude. I know for a fact that there are several leaders in this congregation that right now are fasting because it's January 1. But I couldn't pick them up by the way they carry themselves or they joy for the Lord. That is the attitude. Don't broadcast it by walking around looking weak and hungry. Oh my, I haven't eaten. I can't wait till the fast. People shouldn't tell that you're fasting. You shouldn't broadcast it. So how you fast is between you and God. 
Some types of fast is the absolute fast. That's the most difficult. You vow to not eat anything for a certain period. One day, three days, 21 days, or 40 days. This is an extreme diet, and, and it should be for only for the young adult that is in good health. There is one, the one that I'm doing is no solid food between sunrise and sunset for 21 days with intense prayer at noon and in the evening. You can modify this to, to only water between suns, uh, sunrise and sunset. And you can vary the schedule from 1 to 7 to 14 days or every other day for 21 days. There's also the Daniel's fast, fashioned after the fast that Daniel did as he was not allowed to, uh, to, to not eat. For him not to eat, to refrain, an absolute diet was not allowed. So he did the Daniel fast. It consisted of vegetables and legumes or beans, that kind. Some people have opted to give up TV in the evening to spend in prayer. Others have fasted social media. I could hear you go, give up Facebook? Or surfing the web? And use that time. Remember, it's not about punishing you. It's about getting away from the world and entering into a time of prayer. And still others, especially our young people, have given up gaming. No Xbox for 21 days, guys. No PS, what is it now? 16? 5. PS5 for 21 days. But don't just give it up and go do something else, play football. Give it up and use it to time to pray. Say, Lord, I'm not, I'm not playing Assassin's Creed for 21 days. I'm not playing... Help me. Okay, I'm not playing a game for 21 days. And that time that I played, spent playing those games, I will dedicate to you. Believe me, those games take a lot of time. Bad Grandpa is my name in gaming, so there you have it. There, these are just suggestions. The important thing, is, I'm telling you again, is spend time seeking the Lord and drawing near to Him. The benefits are tremendous. As the prayer team comes, uh, the uh, worship team comes, I pray that God has stirred you to join us during these 21 days to fast and pray. And at once, I guarantee you experience the closeness to God that I am sure is coming. That fasting not only is for January 1 to 21, but should be a regular part of your walk with Christ. Maybe once a month, maybe once a week. And believe me, if you do, God will. He'll meet you there. He'll bless you. You will feel a closeness to him that you've never felt any other way. Believe me, I've done it. I've felt it. It's tremendous. And it'll start maybe 
by joining us on Friday. That could be your fast. I fast all my activities, my dinner time, my, uh, except on the last Friday of the month, give up my grocery shopping for Saturday, or whatever it is your activities on Friday night, and I'll fast that for the first three, three Fridays of the year. Give it to you. Gather with the people and pray and seek your face. Humble myself before you. Won't you do that? Because if you do whatever is in your path, God will make a way. Because he is the way maker. Let's listen, let's listen to this song and then I'm going to call you to come pray. You are here moving in our midst I worship you
as I look across the congregation, to me, you all look good. You all look like holy, saintly people, men, women, and men of God. But God knows the heart, and you know your walk. Yes, sir. So I am going to ask you, if you need a closer relationship with God, or if you've strayed, or if you've never known Him, we have prayer warriors here that will pray with you. I will pray with you. I want you to raise your hand. Thank you, brother. Anybody else? I know there's, there's others. Be bold. Be courageous. Stand firm. Thank you, brother. Doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you need a closer walk with God. You need a tighter connection with Him. There's troubles in your home and in your family, in your neighborhood, in your job, in your relationships that you need God. Won't you raise your hand? Those that raise their hands now, you're going to take a bold step and come up and we will pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we get some prayer warriors for these three people, four people? And they keep coming. Keep coming. You didn't have to raise your fan hand. Just keep coming. Somebody will stand near you to pray. You need a breakthrough. Pastor Steve, would you, would you come pray? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Start ministering, brothers. Uh, Pastor Smith, would you pray? Pastor, would you pray for this young man here? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Holy Jesus. Hallelujah. As ministry is happening in the, in the altar, I want everybody to come on. Everybody come up here and, uh, and vow before the Lord how you're going to participate. Seek Him. Seek Him. How are you going to join? I, I wish that nobody would stay in their seats. That they would come up and join with us. Holy Jesus.
never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working, even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. fallen, you determine the ground. Receive it as God has given it to me and consider it, ponder it in your hearts. And we expect to see all of you on Friday night, that this congregation be full. Remember, place your cards. Like I said, everybody should have a prayer need. There's an offering plate at the back as you go out, put them in there. And I promise you, every one of those prayer needs will be prayed for Friday night. Everyone. Hallelujah. That's what we do. That is why we gather. Ministry continues to happen, but I will say a prayer of release and you can be dismissed if you want. I would ask that you be respectful for the, for the uh, ministry that's going on. And if you want a fellowship, if you could retreat to the to the foyer dear heavenly father i thank you lord you have given me the message and i have given it father let it be a fertile let it fall on fertile ground father and it may grow father because you want your people to seek you you want your people to come near you in prayer and with fasting so father as your people leave I plead the blood of Jesus upon them, Father, that every minute of every day, Father, as you always do, watch over them. Give them opportunities, Father, in the week to come 
to minister. Give them opportunities to spread your gospel. Father, and above all, give them the boldness to step in to those opportunities. Bless them as they go. Bless their families. And in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. God bless you and thank you for being here.